This is Truth and Love Ministries, where we bring people home to God by learning His truth and experiencing His unending love. Today, we confront the idea of lukewarm Christianity. It's a trap from Satan to keep us out of heaven, so it's important that we know what God's Word says about it. We pray this message refreshes you and speaks encouragement to whatever is going on in your life right now. Let's listen in to a message titled, One or the Other. In him there is no lie, there is no error. It's right or wrong, it's left or right, it's up or down. It's good or bad. He taught us about fellowship, and I believe John, in the, in, when you read the book of John, 1 John rather, he's actually teaching us in sequence, and he's going to bring us to a complete end. He started us out with fellowship, saying we should have fellowship with the Son of God, and that when we have that fellowship with him, the word fellowship comes from two words, which is partnership and friendship. Partnership, it means that we have a shared life, that Jesus and I share our life. Everything that I have belongs to him, and everything he has, he offers to me. It also, it also is connected with the word friendship, which means you got that special person that you share secrets with, that you tell things that you don't tell other people. Jesus will share secrets with you about life and situations and circumstances that you face and deal with on a daily basis. And then we talked about maintaining truth. The second, the second lesson in that book was maintaining truth. And I tell you, in a world where everything is trying to go to a gray area. They're trying to go to a gray area and say there is no right, there is no definite right, there is no definite wrong, there is no one way to heaven, there is no one God, and they're trying to distort truth. They're trying to have, make truth have more than one meaning. And Jesus defined truth, he said, I am the way and I am the truth. And then we started in maintaining righteousness that we have to allow God to work and operate in and through us in order for our actions to be classified as righteous. And that's where we'll start in 1 John chapter 1, 1 John 2, 29. It says, now, if you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who does right is born of him. Now, now that verse can be kind of tricky. And the reason I say it can be tricky is because it says he who does right is born of him. Now there's a lot of folk that do right that's not born of him. So it can be deceiving but it's clarified in these statements. He says that the secret of doing right is to possess and experience within yourself the life of the righteous one is bringing it, bring it a little closer home, and this statement clarifies it even more. There's only one who is righteous, or who has ever been righteous, and that's who? The Lord Jesus himself. Now I want you to think about what Jesus himself said when he was on the earth, when that, when that uh, leader came to him and said, good master, and Jesus said, why do you call me good? There is none good but what? One and that is God. In other words, he was saying that the works that I do are not 
works that proceed from me, but they actually come through me. He said, now I'm not doing these works. And he said, the words that I speak, I'm speaking the words that I hear my father say. I'm not here. I'm not speaking on my own. And so the, the lesson about being righteous, it stems back to what Jesus does in us and through us. I'm telling you, we got to really examine our actions, our motive, because Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says that the word of God is quick, is powerful, is sharper than a two-edged sword. It is a discerner of the thought, the attitude, the motive, and the intent of the heart. Now listen at that. That's scary. In other words, God is looking at what you are thinking when you do what you do. Man, if he just looked at some of the stuff I thought when I was doing some of the stuff I was doing this week, that means most of my actions were not even right. Even though outwardly they appeared to be right. They were not good even though they <coughs> looked good. His life must be lived again in you in order for you to be righteous. <laughs> that, I mean, that's the whole story. That's the whole story. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but it is Christ that's living in me. I mean, he's, saying, he's, he's trying to teach us what righteousness really is. He's trying to show us what it really is. But we are here doing stuff that we perceive and consider to be right. And you know, the scary, you know what the scary part about that is? The scary part about that is there's going to come a day when all your works are going to be tested by fire. He said, now, he said, now that the works that are, are made of gold and precious stone and silver, he said, they're going to make it through the fire. But he said, some of us are going to have works that are made out of wood, hay, and stubble, and they're going to be consumed in the fire, yet the man will be saved yet by fire. And he won't have no reward because all of his works were burned in the fire. And then Jesus actually took it a step further in Matthew chapter 7. He said, he said, many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And have we not done many wonderful works in thy name and cast out devils in thy name? And he'll look at them and say, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I know you not. In other words, he's saying there are some religious activities that can be performed by man that are not from God. Scary. All of it's scary. It's scary to think that you could be sitting in church and yet go to hell. That's scary. That's scary. It's scary that you could be Thinking you say and not be. Amen. That's scary. That's, true. That's scary. So we really need to examine. Now, now let, me, let me rephrase that. We don't need to examine ourselves. We need to ask God to examine us. Amen. You know, we need to ask God to examine us because we can be deceived. There's only one basis for righteousness and that is to reproduce in the plan and purpose of God and by means of the Holy Spirit the life of the Son of God in you. That's it. 
Remember what I said last week that what, what is God's purpose? What's his purpose? What is number one goal? That you would be predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. He's actually trying to make us like the son of God. He's trying to make us like Jesus. And the only way we can be like Jesus is to let Jesus live in us. That's the only way you reproduce Jesus is to let him live in us. We can see the effects of Christ's life in, in three dimensions. And one of those is the future. We, we got hope. We got hope that one day Jesus is going to come back and clean this thing up. He's going to come back and fix this. As we look at the world and the world grows worse and worse and worse, the hope of the Christian that purifies us and keeps us hopeful is the fact that one day, Jesus is going to split the eastern sky. He's going he gonna to straighten it all out. And then we got hope of the past where we learned that the Son of God came into our hearts to remove lawless, lawlessness, the spirit that rejects authority. He came that he might set us free from sin and lawlessness. And then we got hope of the present. John says he came to deliver us from the works of the devil from murder, from lying, from destruction, and the things that follow the lawless attitude of the devil to steal, to kill, and to destroy. How many folk can look at themselves and say, God still got his work cut out? Yes. There's still some works of the devil that's manifesting in my life from time to time. Yes. From moment to moment, the devil shows up. I yield to him. I allow him to yes. manifest himself through yes. me. 1 John 3, 2 says, it does not yet appear what we shall be. In other words, one of these days we're going to be something. But he said, when we see him, we shall be what? Like him. For well, we're going to see him as he is. We're going to see him as he is. But here's the deal. No, it don't yet appear what we shall be. But one third thing is certain, and John getting ready to bring it to us. We don't know what we shall be, but we know what we already are. I don't know what I'm going to be. But let's deal with what we are right now. Let's deal with what, with what we are and where we are. And John started in 1 John 3.10. He said, by this it may seem who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not do right is not of God, nor he who does not love his brother. Now, I got to mess with that word again, do right. Because there's a lot of folk that think they do right. They ain't doing right. And a lot of folk that do right, it look right, but it's dead wrong. It's dead wrong. Because God is not looking at the hand, folks. He's looking at the heart. He's looking at the heart. He is a discerner of the thought, the motive, the attitude, and the intent of the heart. He's not looking at your hands. All humanity in the sight of God is divided into two classes, the righteous and the unrighteous. They want to say it's three of them, but it's not. We would like to think that they are the children of the devil and the children of God, and there's a vast group who are morally neutral, so they think. I'm not demonic. I'm not angelic. But if you press them, most of them think they're somewhere in the middle. I ain't all that bad. 
Remember what I said, you one or the other. You right or you wrong. You left or you right. You up or you down. It's not, it, there's no middle ground. There's no purgatory. You go into heaven or you go into hell. It ain't no, it ain't no, ain't no, no middle place that we can choose. There's not a, that's not another choice that we could select from. We going one way or the other. There's no other options. But most folk want to stay kind of neutral. They want to say, I, 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 I try to treat everybody right. I try to live right. Try to do right. Devilish. It's devilish. It's devilish. Remember, but go back to what I said. Remember the statement that I made that there's only one that's right. There's only one that's right, folk. There's only one. And everybody admit this. They admit this when they want to they cover their faults. They want to say, ain't nobody right but Jesus. He's the only one that ever lived that walked on this earth and was able to live right. And that's true. But he has made some provision. He has done a work. He has done a work where you can... Live righteous. You can act right. You can do right. You got to let him live through you though. It's not so much of what you do. Because remember what I said. Lord, Lord, have we not cast out devils in your name. Done many wonderful works in your name. And Paul even said. He said, man, I, I give my body to be burned. I gave all I own and possess to the poor. And he said, it profits me nothing. He said, oh, I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and I don't have love. He said, I'm just a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. It don't mean nothing. So, nor is there one class. I remember when I was, I was working in Auburn at a, at, a, at a plant, and this guy, we were, we were talking about the Bible, and the guy said, man, man, we, we all children of God. No, we're not. We all created by God. But we're not all his children. No more than all of y'all are my children. I got four and three questionable. So, anyway. Uh, <laughs> you, got, <laughs> you got to be born into a family, folks. You, you can't, you, you, don't, you, don't just, you don't just be born and, and you, we all related to God. No, we're not all related to him. We we created by him, but we're not all related to him. John eight forty four. He said, "Now you are of the, you are of your father the devil, and the works of your father you are going to be doing." Let me ask you a question: Who that baby daddy? <laughs> Who your daddy? Let me walk, let me follow you around. Y'all done heard the saying, man, he acted just like a daddy. Mm -hmm. I remember when I saw my cousin, I hadn't seen him in a while. I, I probably, I hadn't seen him in a long time. So, so when they saw me, I, I done aged, you know, and they said, he, he looked just like a daddy now. And then, and then they look at me and they say, I act like my daddy. And I, I, I believe that. I, I can believe that. My dad always had a solemn, serious look on his face. <laughs> he very seldom. I mean, he smiled when he was silly, you know, having a good time, fun and all. But he always had this stern, firm look on his face. And I'm just like him. I'm just like my daddy. And, and the true trait that I am my daddy's son, my grandmama, when I was growing up, always said that I, 
I wasn't, I, I wasn't my daddy's son. But the true trait that I'm his son is, is my eyebrows. If I ain't got nothing else, just like uh, uh, Reverend Fleming said, he said, now, he said, man, you ought to have a big toe like him or something, something like He said, if it ain't, it's a dead cat on the line. He said, you got to look like him somewhere. You got to have something like him. And, and, and really, my daddy, my daddy, he, he, he wasn't a, he wasn't, he wasn't a man that did a whole lot of grooming, you know, so, so his mustache was, you know, it just, man, it just, it just all over the place, you know. It's just turning, some hairs turning up, some of them turning down, some of them stretching out to the side. And, and his eyebrows was just, I mean, they were just, man, some of them go this way, some of them stick straight up, some of them come down this way, some of them turn off to the left and the right, and his eyebrows were that way. So when I go in the, and look in the mirror and look at my eyebrows, I know I'm my daddy's son. And Brother Marcus, we was in the, in the car one day, we was over there at Kentucky Fried Chicken, he might be done forgot this, but... Uh, we rolled up buying some chicken one day, and, 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 and my daddy was sitting in the car, and my daddy's hair was gone right here. He looked at me, and he said, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> you got that natural fade like your dad. <laughs> oh, Lord, I ain't never forgot that day. He was sitting on the back seat. My dad was sitting on the front. He's sitting back there. You know, he about like Rico. Rico always trying to look and find something to pick and mellow about. He he watching you, trying to get your get your moves down and how you act, so he can go home and entertain the family with what you do. So anyway, it does not mean that the devil created us, but it means that we reflect the nature and characteristics of the devil. He didn't create me. He didn't make me. But I reflect his nature and characteristics. And it also, it constitutes someone that's a child of the devil in the same way as a child of God. You reflect the nature and the characteristics of God when you are born of him. But man, the Bible says, is a vessel. Now, now if y'all miss everything else I said, please pay attention to this. You are a vessel and you do not have any power within yourself, and you don't have life within yourself. Go back to Genesis. Remember when God created man. This is what he said. The Bible said he formed man from the dust of the ground. Now, before God did anything, man was laying upon the ground lifeless. And then it said God breathed in him, into him, the breath of life, and he became a living soul. So you are a vessel. You were made to contain life, made to hold someone, and designed to contain and express the life of another. Think about that. Think about that. You were not created to have your be to be an individual. To contain life, to hold someone. You are a container, just a vessel. And if you are just a vessel, somebody got to live in that vessel, direct God, and use that vessel. So let me say this to you every day, every moment of your life, somebody living in you. 
and through you. Now, I've said this a thousand times, I'm going to make this a thousand and one. The devil is so subtle that he can put thoughts in your head to make you think that they're, they're, they're yours. Now, some of them are just outright crazy. You know, you know they're not yours. But some of them, they're so subtle that you think that you're thinking, but you're not. The devil has injected a thought into your mind. I've been sitting somewhere, and man, all of a sudden, I was way off somewhere. Like some of y'all now sitting here in church, and y'all way off somewhere. Yeah. Got your mind way off on something else. Yeah. That's the devil. He done slipped something in there on you. He done slipped, he, he slipped something in there on you. And rather than you being here, you at home working on that car you thinking about fixing. You know, you, you already done, you already done got in Walmart, you on aisle five. You know, you already at home fixing your plate. Whatever it is you're doing, you, those thoughts come from somewhere. And that's why Jesus said, guard your heart. Be careful how you hear. Watch what you see because everything projects something in you and produces a thought in your mind. I've been sitting somewhere and I, I, know, I know some of the thoughts of the devil. I mean, devil, I, I've been sitting around and sitting up at, at the store. My wife go in the store. I'm sitting out there in the car. All of a sudden, Wells Fargo truck come by. Thought come in my head. What was that thought, y'all? Don't get that money, man. Don't get that money. Now we know that we I mean that there's no two ways about that, is it? There's no two ways about that. I know exactly where that comes from. And I got some restraints. I don't even need the Holy Spirit without all I need is just remember them three hours that I was in the county jail. That's all I gotta do is remember them three hours I was in the county jail. And I can, I, I can easily reject the devil on that one. But sometimes we sit, we worry, we, we, we let a thought come in our head and we worry about stuff. And that comes from the devil. Those thoughts are injected by the devil. When a thought comes into your head, you need to examine where did it come from. In the original intent of God, that life was to be the life of God himself. Man was made from God. That's why every man, I don't care who he is, atheist, agnostic, no matter who he try to say he is, the truth of the matter is there's a hole on the inside of him that can only be filled by God. I don't care what he try to fill it with. There's something in all of us that want to know about the world of the spirit. Every one of us. That's why the psychics come online on TV and try to tell y'all, dial this number and I can tell you about your future. That's why, that's why Sister Linda working them roots up there on top of that hill on 280 because there are so many of us want to know about the spirit world. That's why, that's why Ouija boards and all that stuff, they sell it. That's why Harry Potter is so popular because we want to know about that world outside of this one. There's something in us that drives us and creates a hunger in us for that spirit realm. For, 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 it's for God, but the devil uses it to take us away. And now, because of the fall of man in the garden, mankind is no longer containing and expressing the life of God, but expressing a perverted, twisted life of the devil. He is expressing a perverted and twisted life of the devil. And Lord have mercy. Look at here. Most think the children of the devil as violent, malicious, openly immoral people. 
those whom we would ordinarily call wicked people. And you know what? That's true. The devil expresses his life in violence, in immorality, in lawlessness, in defiance, in hostility. He expresses his life in all those kind of things. But people who habitually reflect that attitude unquestionably are the children of the devil. Habitually, who do these things continually and consistently. But guess what, y'all? Look what he said. 1 Peter 5, 8 said, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary is the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Now, think about how the, how the lion operates. He operates in violence. He's, he's, he's going he's gonna to kill something. If he can, he's going to steal something. And he's going to destroy something. That lion is. And man, I enjoy watching him do it. I love watching him do it. <laughs> I see the king of the jungle he was a bad boy kind of irritates me sometimes when the hyena run the line off I can't stand that I can't stand it. he's supposed to be the king of everything but I realize he's not there's something that can come in a group that can make the line lead I seen the buffalo gather around him a few, a few times and, and, and he, had, he, had to, he had to get his hat he had to go I see elephants drive him off. I didn't, I didn't like that. But then the lion expresses itself as the in violent power. But that's not the only way the devil acts. 2 Corinthians 11, 4 says, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Now, we can always easily discern those that are violent and immoral and, 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 and we can see it in hatred and vengeance and all these other things. But he, it also says now he got a second nature. He got a second nature. He got one side of him that's violent. But then he got one side of him that's good. Yeah, he looked good. Man, think about this now. Think about this. Now y'all know y'all y'all know the devil's smooth, don't you? You know he's smooth. Ain't he smooth? Ain't he smooth with one. Yeah. You was a young girl, he came up to you, he come talking hard and rough, he came talking, hey girl. Sure look good in them jeans. Yeah. It's the devil right on now. Oh yeah. You hear me, Martavia? You sure, you cute, girl. You sure cute. He's smooth now. He's suave. He, 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 he charming. He confident. He elegant. Man, he wearing nice clothes. Yeah, we, we actually think, we, we don't seen so much of the image of the devil that he's, he's got a long tail and a pitchfork and he red. But no, he, this joker's smooth, man. He's suave. Smell good to go. She done met him. She done met him. Say he smell good. Yeah. Built. That joke got that joke walking around, man. He got a little old way, big old chair. You know what I'm saying? He 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 he, he ain't like we think he is. No. He 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 comes as an angel of light. He's suave. He's cultured. He's kind. He moral. He's respectable and sometimes he even sweet. See, you don't want to relate that to the devil. 
You don't want to relate that to the devil. But let me tell you something. All you got to do is watch yourself from time to time. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, all you got to do is just pay attention to what you do every day. And you will find out. <laughs> you put putting on these fine ass with these folk you don't like. <laughs> pretend, <coughs> pretend to be kind and sweet and nice and and man, hate them dogs with everything in you. Yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm showing you how he can be, and I don't have to show you because we do it on a day-to-day -day basis. We pretend, we put on, and we acting the devil. The devil using us right on. Why can't we just be real? I always say it that this man at, at Flower Baker that hated me, he was the best friend I ever had because if I walk in the room, he walked out. If I met him on our way, he look off to the, he he he'd rather look at the wall and the ceiling. He wouldn't even look at me. And I used to say that's my best friend. That's my best friend because he didn't he didn't come up in my face grinning and laughing. He didn't sit down to eat lunch with me and pretend to be my friend. He let me know I don't like you and I don't care about you knowing it. Whoever those people are that's like that, they're the best friends you got. The ones that sitting up in your face laughing and grinning. Yeah. That, that, that's the devil, that's that light. The devil is the angel of light. He's suave, he's cultured, he's kind, he's moral, he's respectful, he's even sweet. But he the devil right on. And he using us in the same way. It is possible for a life to reflect these characteristics and be equally as devilish as a life given over to open violence. We always look at the old people that are out there killing. We think, man, we, we know that's the devil. But guess what? He's sweet, too. He kind. He nice. But he's equally the devil. It don't make no difference how it is. Whether it's soft and subtle, because let me tell you something. You, some things you ain't going to catch making a whole lot of noise. That's right. That's right. Some things you ain't going to be able to grab making a whole lot of fuss. See, if I really want to get this one, they ain't going to come with a growl. I'm going to come with a whisper. Hey, girl. Stop. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> and then about six months from now, you running out the house, call dial 911. <laughs> you running out the house. Without exception, every, listen to this, y'all. Without exception, every one of us were born into the family of the devil. We were born children of the devil because we are part of the fallen race of Adam. Anybody don't believe that? When you came into the world, the devil was your daddy. Some of y'all still call him Paul. Some of us still like a little baby saying, Dad, 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 Dad to the devil. Dad, Dad, yeah. 
He was, he was our daddy. That's why the devil was after Adam and not Eve. He, he went through Eve, but he wanted the man. Yes. Because he knew the man was the container of the seed. You corrupt the seed, you corrupt the race. And so he corrupted the whole human race by <clears throat> getting at them. And every one of us, the Bible says, born in sin, shaped in iniquity. It is only by the new birth that we become members of the family of God, children of God. Only by the new birth that you can be born into God's family. Everybody is not God's child. Everybody's not. John 3.3, 3, it says, except you be born again, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Amen. Remember that story. I just want to briefly cover a little bit of that story. Nicodemus was the, was the ruler of the, of the Jews, and he came to Jesus by night, and he said, good master, what good thing must I do to have eternal life? Jesus looked at him and said, you must be born again. Now let me show you something. Let me show you something. Let me show you how Nicodemus was hidden and covered by religious religion and tradition, and yet when he met Jesus, Jesus looked past all of that and said, man, you got to be born again. Nicodemus thought he was going to give him a law that he needed to obey. Nicodemus thought he was going to give him a deed he needed to do. Think about the Pharisees. The Pharisees were rehearsed in the word. They had to know the first five books of the Bible. The Pharisees, according to Roman, uh, Luke chapter 18, it said they fasted twice in a week. I, I give tithe of all I possess. They went to church two or three times a day. They prayed two or three times a day. They went to church regularly. And when he met Jesus, Jesus looked at him and said, Nick, you're on your way to hell. You need to be saved. And this man was in the church. This man was praying. This man was giving. This man was fasting. This man was doing everything right. We would have looked at him and said, we need to make him a deacon. Jesus looked at him and said, man, you got to get saved. And see, we, we, gotta, we really need God to examine us. It's serious. This is serious. It's serious because you can be, let me tell you something, there's a lot of things you might want to know, but this one thing you need to know. You need to secure your salvation. You need to make, if you don't make sure of nothing else, you need to make sure that you've been born again. <clears throat> because if you're not, when you close those eyes for the final time, you're going to be shocked at where you are quickly taken to. So if you, don't, if you don't consider nothing else, you don't think about nothing else, you need to make sure that you've been born again. Now, there's also a whole lot of misunderstanding about the phrase children of God. When somebody says, I'm a child of God, folk automatically start looking at you and thinking that that means you're perfect. Don't mean I'm perfect. That means God has begun a transforming work. He started a work. He, that song they made a long time ago, he's still working on me. That's what, that's what it is. You wouldn't ride by a building that's under construction and then go by there and see it don't have doors and don't have windows and then go and find the man, that's, uh, the, the, the contractor, and say, man, that ain't no building. It's under construction. 
I'm under construction. That don't mean I'm perfect. God has begun. He started a transforming work. There are many people who sincerely thank children of God because they have repeated a certain set of words or prayed a certain prayer or gone forward on a meeting. They think they're going to heaven. They think they're going to heaven. They think because they came up and they repeated, repeated a prayer. Let me tell you something. A lot of folk that done prayed the sinner's prayer are going to still be in hell. They still gonna be in hell because they 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 think they think think because they prayed certain words they're gonna make it. Jeremiah 17 9 said, A heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now let me stop right there just a minute and say this right here. There are a lot of folk that think they know my heart, and God said you don't even know your own. How you gonna tell me I'm low down? You don't even know you. He said, he said, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who can know his own heart? God said, you don't know yours. I know you don't know mine. That's why he has to judge it. And that's why the next verse in that, in that particular chapter says, I, the Lord, test the hearts. I try the reins. He said, I, I, I'm the one. I can tell you what's in it. I can tell you what's in your heart. Because let me say something to you. Your heart will deceive you into believing that you are better than what you really are. Think about the Pharisees. Think about the Sadducees. Guess what Jesus called them? He said, y'all are like a whited sepulcher. So outwardly, outwardly you appear beautiful, but inside you're full of dead men's bones. Tell you like a grave. He said, you wash the outside of the cup, but the inside of it is filthy. And let me tell you something. That's what most folk do. All we're concerned about is looking good outside. All we're concerned about is what folk think about us. And inside, and we got everybody believing we good. The flesh, which is subtle, as Jeremiah put it, Irreversibly wicked. That's what God say now. He said irreversibly wicked. Sometimes when we get saved, we're under pressure, we're looking for relief. We were told about Christ, we went through the motion, thing got built, and we thought we were saved. We thought we were saved. Let me tell you something. A lot of people, and I'm leery of all these fear tactics that folks use and things that we go through that scare us into getting saved. Because let me tell you something. We, I, you know, that, that, that was certain things I was scared of, but you let me stay around it long enough. Out of wild, I ain't scared no more. I ain't scared no more. Fear always wear off. You know, out of wild, you're going to get around him, and, you, and you're going to realize he ain't bad as, I, he ain't bad as he, I thought he was. You know, I ain't scared of him no more. And the truth of the matter is that a lot of folks when they come to say they want to be saved, they're actually coming because they're in some kind of trouble. They're looking for a way out. They're looking for a quick fix. They're looking for a slot machine. They're looking for a magic wand. They're not looking for Jesus to come and live in their heart and to give them their life, and then from now on, I'm going to live for Jesus. 
No, man, I don't want deliverance. I just want relief. I just want some of this pressure off me. I just want things to get better. And sometimes when people are under pressure and you tell them about Christ, they go through the emotions, they, they think they start feeling better, and next thing you know, they're gone. They got relief. They thought it was conversion, and they thought it was regeneration. And guess what? They still on their way to hell. But they never came to the place where they were absolutely helpless. Since they could do nothing in themselves anymore, they cast themselves upon the sustaining grace of God. That is what conversion is. And let me give you the story again. Two men went up into the, into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee and the one a, one a, one a uh, publican. And the, and the Pharisee said, Lord, I, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are. Like this, like the publican. I fast twice in, all, in a week. I give tithes of all I possess. <clears throat> and said the, said the publican would not so much as look up to heaven, but smote his chest and said, Lord, be merciful to me. I'm a sinner. Remember this, y'all. You're a vessel. You have no life. You have no power. You are supposed to be someone. You're supposed to contain someone. Someone is supposed to live in you and through you. You have no power to fix, change, alter anything. Jesus put it this way in John 15, 5. I am the vine. You are the branch. Without me, you can't do nothing. But let me say this to you. There are some things that you can do, you can overcome, you can, you can fix, but it's not lasting and it's not real. No. It's not real. It's not real. And let me say this, let me say this. Man, when I listen to, I listen to life stories, I listen to people and they in predicaments and situations and they got all this stuff going on and, 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 and stuff is happening. But let me say this to you, man, I remember what I said last week. God may not cause it, but he's going to use it. That's right. That's right. And let me say this. You are never going to know who you are until some fire is put under your feet. Remember what he said in, in Jeremiah 17, 9, 10. He said, I, the Lord, test the hearts. I try to reign. In other words, he said, I'm going to put you in a predicament so you can see who you are. He said when he brought the children of, out of, of, of Israel out of Egyptian bondage in Deuteronomy chapter 8, he said, now I could have took them through the way of the Philistine, but they would have saw war and they would have ran back. He said, I took them through the wilderness so that I may test them, prove them, and see what was in their heart, whether they would obey me or not. He said, I sent them that way so I could, but let me say this, let me say this to you. He didn't send them that way so he could see. He sent them that way so they could see. All that stuff we praying for God to fix and to get us out of and to change, those people we asking God to move, those folk we saying God get rid of, God please fire him. Let me tell you something. That neighbor we want to move off somewhere else so he stops on trashing our yard. God may not cause it, but I'm telling you, he's going to use it. And it's going to expose something in you that he's trying to fix. To me, one of the evidence that I am a child of God, man, he's whipping my behind. Stuff other folk can do and get away with and not be bothered by, 
man, I'm, 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 it's driving me crazy. I can't do it. I can't. I, 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 can, I can go down there and tell them, I don't care. I ain't going to do it no more. They think, no, I'm. Yeah. They ain't going to work me to death. Next thing you know, you back at it again. I'm telling you, if we would ever learn that, that all of this stuff that's happening around us that we don't like, that God. God using that stuff. He using that stuff. He using it because he's trying to make you into the image of his son. He's trying to do something in you. If, and this is where we need to be. I can't do anything to help myself. There's no improvement that I can bring about. I've got this problem within me, which I've come to face to face, which I can do nothing to solve. And all I can do is throw myself on the mercy of God. Like the man that wouldn't look up in the temple. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Like Paul, when Paul said, he said, the thing that I want to do, I don't do. The thing that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. He said, oh, wretched man that I am. Who going to help me? He said, I thank God. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. That's my only help. That's my only hope. So, how do you know that you've been born again? How can you really tell that it has happened? Back to 1 John 3, 10. Whoever does not do right is not of God, nor he who does not love his brother. <clears throat> so it's two things, righteousness and love. Righteousness and love. Now let me say this about righteousness. Righteousness and love, they almost intertwine where you can't separate them. Righteousness will do everything to keep you away from justice, but when it cannot prevent justice, it brings justice because love is there. In other words, what I'm saying is, if I keep, if I keep letting you do something wrong and don't let justice fall, then that is not righteousness. And it's not love. Because I'm giving you a, a false perception that you can continue to do this and still be considered right. If you can go on now, y'all y'all hold something when you know, you know when when a man get ready to get a bullet out the cowboy, the cowboy just got shot. And 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 and, and they don't have no anesthesia. And so he don't have no anesthesia, so he give him a stick, put a stick in his mouth, tell him to bite down on this. So y'all get y'all stick, bite down. <laughs> bite down on this. If you can go on living as you always have before you profess belief in Christ, then you have not been born again. Okay. Y'all got your stick? Okay. Bite down on this. I'm, finna, I'm going for the bullet now. I'm finna dig it out. John does not say that he who is born of God should not continue in sin. He says he 
cannot do so because there's a life in him that says no to the things that are wrong and he cannot go on in them. It didn't say you should not sin. He said you cannot continually, habitually live in sin and say that you are born again. If you are born again, I'm not saying you're not going to sin, but I'm saying if you make it a habit, you living in it, you continuous, you consistent in it, and it ain't bothering you, you have not been born again. The life of God is not in you. Okay, here we go. This life in him will cause a person to begin to love his brother, to love those around him with a new kind of love. Hear me, folks. I didn't say it's going to cause you to like him. It said it's going to cause you to love him. And he said, with a new kind of love. So, y'all got your stick? All right. Bite down. I'm finna, I'm finna pull it out now. I'm finna stick the knife and dig a little deep. <laughs> There are some who've been Christians, you thought, for years, but there has been no change in your attitude toward others. Hold your stick, hold your stick, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold your stick. Bite it, bite it right there. Bite your stick, bite your stick. I'm finna cut a little bit deeper now. You held resentments, been bitter about certain situations, not for minutes, not for months, not for weeks, but for years. And you've done nothing about them. How can you stay? The love of God dwells in you. How can you say that you have been born again. How can you say you love God who you never seen and hate your brother who you see daily? How can you say that? How can you say that? Now, now we we going on now the next the first one was well, the first one was uh, fellowship with Christ. The second was maintaining truth. The third one is maintaining righteousness, and the fourth one is going to be maintaining love. That's going to be a good one. When you get to John 3, get the last, latter, latter part of 3, get in the, in the chapter 4, the, chapter 4 of 1 John is the love book. When you get into 5, you start getting into assurance, maintaining assurance. You, you know that you know that you know that you say. So, there have been no upwelling of love within your heart to change your attitude and make you go to another and settle the problem that has been between you. Yeah. If the McCoy, if you're a McCoy and you're in the Hatfield still fighting, and you ain't trying to do nothing to settle this fight between you and the McCoy and the Hatfield, and you know, as a matter of fact, probably most of the situ in most situations, just like the McCoys in the Hatfield, get what? They don't even know why they fight. They don't even know why they have a few. Well, why y'all, why, why did the McCoys hate the Hatfield? Why well, my granddaddy hated them? 
Why did he hate him? Well, his daddy hated him. Why did he hate him? Well, his daddy hated him before he hated him. And don't nobody know what's going on. And you know what? The truth of the matter is, here's the truth. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. The truth is, there's something wrong in you. I know all of us are waiting on that person to get themselves straight and get themselves right. God, we're waiting on God to fix them. We've been praying for them for years. But let me tell you, you don't miss the mark because God trying to fix you. There's something wrong in you. Stop looking around. Stop, stop thinking it's them. Stop praying for them and say, God, what's wrong with me? I'm going to tell you how serious this is for me, and, and, and it didn't get serious when I got to this message. It got serious a, a, a few months ago. I asked God this question. Have I really been born again? And if I have not, please talk to me before the last breath. <laughs> please let's have a discussion before I take this last breath. I'm telling you, your heart can deceive you. Remember what I said. There can be folk casting out devils, there can be folk preaching, doing good work, and die and go to hell. I'm not planning on being one of them. So I ask God the question, God, if my salvation were real, please, let's show me, help me. Show me. Speak to me. Put a, let my donkey stop in the middle of the road. Whatever you got to do. Yeah, let a rooster speak. Whatever you need to do, I need to know. Now, there's a lot of things I, I want to know, but this one thing I need to know. Don't you take this for granted. Don't take this lightly. This heaven and hell, once you close your eyes, it's forever. There is no reversal. Once you feel the fire, ain't no law of have mercy. It's the law of have mercy now. Now is the appointed time. Today is the day of salvation. When you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Yield to him. He do what he tell you to do. If you're not sure you are saved, ask him. Because we can deceive ourselves. The Pharisees thought they were the only people in the, in, the, in the nation of Israel that were right. And Jesus said they were the only one that were going to hell. <laughs> he he was hey he was he was embracing the prostitute. He he said Rahab was gonna make it before some some of them. She was a harlot. Don't sit out here and look at folk and and, and, and condemn them to hell and you get there and they ain't there. Yeah. I hear my mama playing that song, Too Late. <laughs> 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 
We are dealing now with one who knows our hearts. You may fool us. Fool your friends. Fool your wife or your husband. But you do not fool God. We are not going to slip one in on him. We're not going to slip one by him. You're not going to make it into heaven and say, whew, I didn't think I was going to make it. Whew, I got in there. No. No. I don't know what kind of gate he got. I don't know how we're going to enter in. I don't know what the throne of judgment is going to be like. But I can promise you, ain't nobody getting by. Ain't nobody getting away. Ain't nobody going to halfway make it. Ain't going to be no half right folk in there. Ain't going to be no good folk in there. It's going to be righteous people. It's going to be people that realize I'm helpless, I'm hopeless, and can't nobody help me but Jesus. And Jesus, help me. Them, 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 them only ones going to get in. All them that are going to walk up there and say, I tithe of all I possess. I've given to the poor. I cast out devils in your name. Look at the line of people that got saved that I led to Jesus. All them going to hell too because you led them. We think we're doing something. We think we got some stars in our crown. We call ourselves sending up our timber. Yeah. You might be you might better send down some steel. <laughs> the wood may make it in heaven, but you're gonna need steel in in, in, in hell. And it ain't gonna help you because it's gonna get so hot it's gonna melt. Now is the time, folks. And see this is where the devil get us. Has God said this? Well, after all, you know, they preach this, this, this loving father. After all, you're not going to die. God is too loving. No. No. He's not going to execute sentence on you. No. Did God say that? Let me tell you. Yes, he did. And not only did he say it, he meant it. He meant it. And Adam and Eve found out the hard way. They found out the hard way. Let me ask you this. Are you going to find out the hard way? Are you going to find out the hard way? Listen at this. To be ungodly does not mean to be wicked or violent. It simply means to disregard God. Pay no attention to what he says. Go on and act the way you want to act regardless of what God said. <laughs> oh, I forgot. I forgot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Brother Lewis told me I should have told y'all put your stick in your mouth. <laughs> I didn't tell him to take it out. I didn't tell him to take it out. To be ungodly don't mean to be wicked or violent. It, it just simply means to disregard God. Pay no attention to what he says. Go on and act the way you want to act regardless of what God says. Let me say, let me say this to you. Every one of us from time to time, probably uh, uh, I don't know how many times in a week, act ungodly. Amen. 
We act ungodly. We act like we know what God said, but we like, huh. I'm going to tell him what I want him to know. I'm going to do this the way I want to do it. Jude chapter 1 verse 4 says this. I say this because some ungodly people have warmed their way in the churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Jude, one of, the, one of the shortest books in the Bible, one of the most powerful you ever read. He said, man, let me see, can I bag that up? Uh-oh. Uh-oh, I messed it up now. I done messed it all the way up now. That's all right. That's all right. That's all, it's all good. Oh, we all way at the beginning. We get there. Hold on. Yeah, y'all, y'all, y'all take a break. Okay. Jeremiah. No, nah, this is what I want to say. I want to say. We, went, we went through that. Look, look what it says. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago. In other words, God spoke long ago about them folk that were going to weasel their way in the church, going to be sitting up in church, and think that they think that they got enough grace that they can live the way they want to live. And they done denied our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. You sit right up in the church and done denied the one that saved you. Gonna die and go to hell. I know, I know they say that don't don't do it, most folks don't do a whole lot of preaching about hell, and I don't either. But I'm gonna give you one today that you're gonna remember. You're going to die and go to hell. You're going to die and go to hell. You don't want, you don't wiggle your way into the church and you think, nah, I'm hiding in here with the saints. Like God can't see. Yeah. Thank, y'all thank God like Ray Charles. No. Mm-mm. 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 God said night, night is day to him. Amen. He said darkness is light to him. He can see when you, when, you know, when you think cut the lights off and you can't see it. When you don't see it and you think it. Man, he in all of that. He said before your <laughs> thoughts come to your mind, he said, I know them are far off. We ain't fooling God. Are we the ones abusing the church, continue to ask God for forgiveness and never asking for change? Yes. Depending on ourselves to solve our problems and not relying on God and his grace. Are we abusing the church, continually saying, God forgive me, 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 instead of saying, God, change me. Instead of going to God and telling him how helpless you are, how hopeless you are. See, when that, man, when that man made that song Amazing Grace, he said it saved a wretch like me. He saw himself. He said, I went with law, but now I'm fine. I was blind, but now I can see. Let me say this. Most of us sitting up in here blind, 
Lost. Be sad to sit at a buffet and start it there. Man, chicken, ham, collard green, corn, man, macaroni and cheese, fried okra, fried tomato, sweet potatoes, all that stuff sitting in front of you. You're going to kick over dead and then can't get none of it. Come on, man. Come on, man. You sitting right up in here with the word of life. You, hear, you, you got access to Jesus and you're going to drop dead and go to hell right here in the midst of a buffet. Come on, man. Because you're too stubborn. And let me say this. Let me say this. Yeah, we can bring about a little change. We can bring about a little change. Yeah, I know folk, man, that quit smoking on their own. Quit, quit smoking on their own. Yeah, there's certain things you can do, but let me tell you something. When you get to heaven, they're going to be burned up. Don't go up to God and tell my well, you know, Lord. Let me show you my. He, he's not looking at resumes. You don't have to present it when you go up there. He already got it. Already got it. Yes. Your resume is going to precede you. You writing your resume on a day-to-day -day basis. He's going to remind you all the times. He's going to show you. I put you in a storm. I put you in a difficult situation. And all you did was complain and ask me to get you out of it. You did not learn what I was trying to teach you. All my tests, you rejected. All my lessons, you didn't want them. See, we thank God speak. We thank God just speak through prophets and preachers and any word. God is talking to you in your circumstances. Those tests. So the object, what's the purpose of a test? To reveal where we are. And most of us are like those students. We think we're smarter than what we are until she gives us the test. And then we realize, oh, God, I didn't realize I didn't know half of that stuff. Amen. That's what he wants. Remember what I said about becoming his vessel, actually coming to a place where you realize that you are just designed to hold something, to contain something. You have no power within yourself. You have no life within you. And if somebody don't use you, you are useless. If God don't use you, you're useless. Remember this. There's somebody fighting for the vessel. God wants it. The devil wants it. Who are you going to give it to? You are one or the other. You are, you are a child of God or a child of the devil. Which one are you? A child of God or a child of the devil? Where you at? <laughs> Sound like he said what I said. Where are you? Where are you? You're a child of God, you're a child of the devil. Serious question. Everybody just be still for a moment. Be still. And 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 and, and, and as much as you can exteriorly be quiet. Let the, ask God to stay your mind, steal your mind.
Let him steal your mind. Because even though sometimes we'll steal our mind, it's still running and roaming. I want God to steal your mind. Now, I want, I want you to ask God this question. Where am I? Where am I? Am I a child of God? Am I a child of the devil? Am I a child of God? Am I a child of the devil? Which are you? Which one are you? Which one are you? Now, if, if God don't speak to you and answer that question immediately today, I want you to be consistently throughout this week listening for him to talk to you, to speak to you, to show you, because there's no other question on this earth more serious than that one, more important than that one. Who am I? What am I? Have I truly been born again? Have I truly been born again? Am I truly a member of his family? And only God can reveal to you the truth about that question. Lord, I pray now for the Holy Spirit of the living God to work in and through your people. I pray, Father, that you remove the scales from their eyes, the plugs from their ears, the veil from their heart. Let them see reality, truth. Holy Spirit, show us who we are, where we are in our relationship with you. I pray, Lord, that you will not allow not one person to be deceived, not one to be deceived. I bind the devil in his, in his spirit of deception and his manipulations to make us think that we're right, more righteous than what we truly are, but to be real with ourselves and with our God. And Father, I thank you even now as the Holy Spirit has been loosed on his mission and assignment to bring this to pass in the life of your people. I bless you for it. I praise you for it. I thank you for doing it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to subscribe and share with somebody you know. And tune in next week for more sermons from Truth and Love Ministries Church.